0: The State College Football Podcast.
1: Wait a second, guys. Whoever said you had to be good to play football? With Lions Digest football beat rider, Nathan Grilla. This is incredible. They got the guards in the backfield. They got the center to the right. And and the quarterback isn't even there. They're standing around, bud. And former freshman football assistant Nicholas Hoshalter. Then he pivots.
0: Chucks the big block halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the State College Football Podcast. I'm Nick here And
1: I'm Nathan Gorilla.
0: And today we are going to come back from our very long hiatus and talk a little bit about all of the stuff that's happened since the end of the season. Um, you wouldn't think that there is a lot, but there is. So we're coming back for another show.
1: Yeah, we're going to recap some of signing day, talk about where all the seniors are headed. We're going to talk about some college football actually, talk about Tommy Freiberg heading to Michigan. We're going to talk about the NCAA transfer portal and some of the rules and regulations that either are fair or are unfair and are kind of creating a free agency in college football. Yeah. We're going to talk about the movement to Slippery Rock, Brandon Clark transferring from penn state and joining Cohn russell there and then we're gonna preview the way 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 too early depth chart for next year um talk about the quarterback controversy to quarterback uh competition going on there um and some depth at other positions
0: yeah so first of all um just getting into the the hot topic uh what's going on with everyone that you know and love at Stay High, where they're going, where they're going to continue their career. Um, first on the list, and probably the most notable that uh, everyone's heard of, we've got Keaton Ellis going
1: to Penn State. And, um, of course, he graduated early, signed yeah. early, graduated early, and is off in Penn State so already.
0: this certainly isn't news. I mean, he graduated, what, in, like, December, January? Yes, he was Yeah, so, December graduate. So this is, this is very... Late, but that's not really the purpose of this show. It's to talk about everyone else. But we have to give a mention to Keaton because he is probably the best representation of a program in college right now in terms of um, new freshmen coming into different programs around the country. Yep.
1: Um.
0: Yeah. I, there's been a lot, a lot of talk about him. Um, one of the Penn State cornerback coaches. has really had a lot to say about how good he is. Says he thinks he's one of the best cover corners in the country. He
1: was an athlete of the week his first week at penn state yeah so he's a student
0: (laughs) he's certainly making some big splashes um we we have high expectations for him i think he has high expectations for himself and i think we're all ready to see him succeed because you know he's a hard worker he's a nice guy he's a great athlete i I don't think there's really any way that we're going to see him go wrong in college i think he's really gonna make a great impact at penn state right away
1: absolutely it'll be to be seen whether he plays cornerback or safety i know James Franklin was really interested in having him play safety, but with his recent upgrade to a four-star, we might see him move back to cornerback. Uh, And that brings up another
0: question, um, because you said that they were kind of starting to recruit Sammy Knipe at linebacker a a little bit, right?
1: and we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, so
0: we'll get into that. But um, So, of course, Keaton Ellis, uh, next up on the list, we've got Cohen Russell, another fantastic athlete going to Slippery Rock, committing to Slippery Rock over a preferred walk-on at Penn State, which I think is a great move, personally. Um, it's always good when you can actually get paid to play somewhere in terms of scholarship money, and I, I think that's always a great option. And he will also be joined by transfer... Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, yeah.
1: So, yeah, th- th- that'll be an interesting team-up. Connor Russell did say he will start right away which I'm sure was a motivating factor with his decision. And uh, we'll talk about that after we discuss a couple more players here. We got Shane Cole going to Cal U on a preferred walk-on. That's uh, Cal University of
0: Pennsylvania. Yes,
1: Cal just, University of Pennsylvania. Just for those of you that don't know it. See, there's Cal you and means. Cal U.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just like there's um, University of Miami and Miami University.
1: Of Ohio. Of
0: Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, basically, Shane Cole is going on preferred walk-on at the funniest part of signing day. He went up there, he thanked his mom, and he said, uh, my mom's the best mom ever. And then right after that, he's like, there's only one reason I chose CalU, and that was the buffet. Did he really say <laughs> yes. that? And the whole room laughed, and it was it was a great time. You uh, went to signing him. day, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it out. I had a prior commitment at work, which is just the worst, but... It's, it's No, it's really not that bad. Word. I'm glad Who you needs could go it. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being a responsible, almost adult, right?
1: Yeah, so Shane Cole going to Cal U, and he believes that he will crack the starting five sometime in the next two years and earn a scholarship at that position. Uh, another player that might try and do that is Tyson Brennan at Millersville, although... We're trying to recruit him to Waynesburg also, so yeah, mate. Hopefully he can head there. One thing
0: to note: one thing to note with offensive linemen, it's all about experience. You know, you see that in college, especially in some of the bigger programs, but it certainly applies to things like Cal U and Millersville as well. Of course, Tyson Brennan isn't an offensive lineman, but similar things apply. Um, You know, it's all about experience. It's all about getting. Being able to get that mesh with the people around you, so it's it's very very difficult to act, to be a starting offensive lineman no matter how physically gifted you are. If you're a freshman, if you're a sophomore, usually you don't see people bump up to that position until you're a junior or senior year. So hopefully, um, hopefully Shane can make that transition well. Uh, we believe in you certainly, uh, and you know I I think there's a pretty good chance that he will be able to get that position. He will be able to get that money and just hopefully play for a program that you know supports him and he's able to make an impact on so
1: yep and then we move on into the one penn state signee for the february class which was Jaden sider who will join his father his father is the running Running backs backs coach. coach and
0: who i must say is doing a fantastic job I mean, you've got Noah Kane, I mean, you've got that guy from Virginia named Devin Ford that everyone's talking about. Hey, <laughs> he's getting the job done. He's getting the job done
1: as a Virginia tech fan, like like after we got Cameron Kelly in June, uh Jaden Sider's dad tweets out, um oh, i forgot <laughs> the the mind of the lion does not concern itself with the opinions of the sheep, and it was like. Come on, dude. It's like, and Cameron Kelly eventually decommitted from Virginia Tech and headed to Auburn. But it's like, it's a 17 year old's decision. You don't have to, like, burn him on Twitter for no reason. It was like, that was literally the most immature thing. So, but Jaden Snyder, he's going to Penn State. We'll see if he contributes or if he just moves on. I don't know. Yeah, of course
0: we want him to do as well as possible. And I think he he certainly has quite a bit of skill. It's just hard, you know, when Tommy Freiburg and Brady Dorner are, are generally ahead of you, it's pretty tough to crack that top. I think if he went to pretty much any other school around here, he, he wouldn't have any trouble, you know, getting that starting position, but, you know, he's more of a mobile quarterback and of course, you know, Tommy is your dual threat guy. And uh, Brady is a fantastic mobile quarterback. We saw him a lot this year, you know, just running the ball and doing a good job at it. So, but, you know, hopefully he can make an impact in the future. Uh, It's going to be tough, but I believe he can do it.
1: All right, and then we'll go on to the controversial topic of the day. Tommy Friver going to Michigan. Um, We saw a lot of uh, different opinions on this, especially on Twitter once he committed. Um, I think think it was Cam Renfrew who got into a Twitter battle with one um, butthurt Penn State fan uh, about him choosing Michigan over the preferred walk-on at Penn State. So... Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because yeah, I... <laughs> I
0: gotta say it was kind of hilarious. The guy, the guy said traitor on Twitter, like oh traitor, and he spelled it T R A D E R, which was just the funniest thing. Because <laughs> there's nothing funnier than when someone comes up with a bad insult and then can't even spell it right on the internet. And then of course, um, what was it Owen Moore? It was
1: so, it was Cam Renfrew first, and then Owen Moore after that.
0: Yeah, they they came to they came to his rescue. Not that Tommy needs rescuing, but um. Good on those guys. You know, we certainly support Tommy's decision. I like to say that right away. You yeah, know, I mean, Michigan's obviously. a great program. It's a, it's that's an amazing opportunity for any quarterback.
1: Yeah, and you compare the the Mich- basically what you have to do because those are the only two schools you got preferred walk ons on is Michigan and Penn State, and I think a lot. You don't think this, but I think a lot of the general can. Cons- the le- general thoughts around town was, Penn State high players are kind of, have this sense of entitlement to go to Penn State when they're good, and when they get offers from D1 programs, they it's their obligation kind of to go to Penn State. And I that hasn't been said directly, but there's definitely a sense of that. Um, and I think when a player doesn't choose Penn State, it ruffles some feathers around town. And we saw that with this decision, I would say, um, Tommy Freiberg obviously has the right to go to any school he wants. But it, it's, it's kind of st- sparked this discussion of is Michigan's program really better than ours? Is because he, he, there's no way he could choose Michigan over Penn State because he grew up here and he must have grew up hating Michigan and all that. All this like different talk about this decision, but like Tommy said, like. If I were comparing Michigan and Penn State and our quarterback, there's no comparison. Like, Michigan has John Harbaugh, who... Uh, Jim Harbaugh, sorry. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, who is an NFL quarterback as their head coach. They have a good quarterbacks coach. They have, they have a very yeah, historic... Yeah, well, Penn
0: State isn't known for quarterbacks. They're yeah, known for running exactly. backs and linebackers. So if there was one school
1: yeah. that you want as a preferred walk-on that would want to be developed maybe in... Into getting a scholarship somewhere else down the line, like what other school would you want to go to? Like, would you want to be a preferred walk-on at Oklahoma? Maybe, but in it, any yeah, case, that's at, not Oklahoma's a <laughs> hot thing right yeah, now. But yeah,
0: but, well, for a quarterback like Tommy, that might. I mean, th- this is completely hypothetical, but Michigan's definitely up there, is what you're saying. Yeah, Michigan's it, up there for where you want to go to develop yourself, and you know, I think. He's hoping that he can, similar to Shane, you know, crack that roster, start to play some, you know, and, you know, even if he can get to, like, that second or third string guy, I think that's going to be huge.
1: Yeah, I mean... Although I
0: will say that because Penn State, um, I think he probably has a better chance, he might have a better chance to play at Penn State, but I don't think he's going to get quite the development at Penn State. Yeah, if you want to
1: go somewhere and develop into the best quarterback you could possibly be you go to michigan because they have developed great quarterbacks they got chay patterson right now who might be a first or second round pick in a few years they got they've had tom brady which is a, a big reason why quarterbacks even go to michigan and that having that history of just quarterbacks excelling at the next level
0: you're forgetting about the other local boy that went to that went to michigan to play ocorn Everyone's favorite Michigan quarterback from Huntington.
1: I, I I moved here like three years ago, so I'm <laughs> sure remember
0: their their starting quarterback. I
1: remember Wilton Spate, but I don't remember anyone before um, that. Is oh. there's kind of like a big like jumble of Michigan quarterbacks that people were debating? I mean, from from the dude that played with his shoes untied to now, Shay Patterson. There's a big like mess of quarterbacks. That's just. Who's the guy that played with his shoes untied? The name is escaping me. NCAA 14 cover athlete. (laughs) He he played. Denard Robinson. Because he played wide receiver at. For the Jaguars now, I think. So. But but definitely. Historic quarterback. Like, um tenure there um and it would be interesting to see him try and get a scholarship there or if he really develops transfer out because the transfer rules are interesting yeah well
0: (laughs) what what i was saying is um john o'corn was born in huntington he he played high school in florida but he was born in huntington so i was just mentioning the other local boy that played quarterback at michigan although he is not very successful, or he wasn't very successful, but um, you know, now they have Shea Patterson. Basically, back in the day, you know, a couple of years, well, when they had O'Corn, the excuse was, Oh, you know, Jim Harbaugh doesn't have a good quarterback, now he has a good quarterback. What can he do with it? That was that was the storyline.
1: And he saw what you can he could do with it last year when he almost went to the college football playoff before losing to Ohio State, so
0: badly. Badly, very badly, and then also don't forget uh, getting blown out in the bowl season. But you know, hey, maybe that's more of an opportunity for Tommy to play. Who knows?
1: I mean, Florida was very good. This uh, th- was hot. That. Oh game. yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, I, and, I don't blame and
0: Michigan him for that. was certainly not hot. So, in any case, I think we're going to be moving on from this discussion a little bit. Yeah, it it. The point is, the it's point cool is, that he's going there. You know, good job on him.
1: But I think part of the problem is that State High isn't even being represented in town. So a lot of the consensus around town f- with guys that are that don't have any kids, they go to State High or are in this school system. And they're not really connected to the school at all. They just kind of see it as Penn State Junior, I guess. Just the developmental league. And when somebody breaks out of that mold, it just ruffles some feathers. So basically, if you're around town, pay attention to State High, and you might actually learn something. But it's kind of hard to do that when news local newspapers don't really cover us. So <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I got my rant out of the way. <laughs> All right.
0: Um. Next up, we've got, let's see here.
1: The NCAA transfer portal. Oh man, why are we talking about this? Because it it's an intri- intri- it's an intriguing question with the NCAA. Basically, before <laughs> for like thirty years before, if you were a wanted to be a transfer, you met with your coach. You had to go to the university. You were like, "Hey, I want to transfer," and they're like, "Okay." So they. They, they dismiss you from school basically the coach says all right here's a list of schools you can't go to this one this one this one probably like all the schools on your conference this is like we don't want you to go to this school on your conference or maybe they say we want you to only go in our conference because you're so bad I don't know but <laughs> <laughs> so you so basically there was a big a lot of loops to go through for transfers that really encouraged parity in college football. And now what you're seeing is this year with the implementation of the NCAA transfer portal where basically any recruit can say, hey, they go contact the NCAA. They say, hey, put my name in the portal. They don't even have to talk to their coach and they don't get dismissed from school and they can go and go to another program. And it's even worse. They can stay at their school until they graduate. So say a redshirt sophomore wants to transfer, he can stay at the school until he graduates in June. Then he can transfer to the next college in the fall and start right away. Is that fair for college football? Because what it's really doing is just encouraging this culture of free agency in football that they haven't, they've definitely tried to stop. Or is it a good thing because it's freeing players from being controlled by their coaches and their coaches not having a tighter leash on them.
0: I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable the way that football is moving these days. It's much more about the individual, you know, especially in the social media era. You can connect with individual players more than ever. You know, I know some coaches don't really like their players on social media, but the fact of the matter is that you can... You know, players have much more of a voice than they did in the past, and I think that is a big, of, a lot of the difference because they already have some of that power. You know, and it might not be power to make themselves transfer, but they can certainly make themselves heard, and I think that kind of just encourages this atmosphere more than anything. But at the same time, um, you know, I can de- definitely see both sides of the argument for this. I think it's complicated. Um, I, I would, I think it would be interesting to maybe. change have there be more of an immediacy to the transfer, you know? Um, I mean, I certainly don't, let's put it this way. I certainly don't have a problem with players being able to decide where they want to play. You know, it, I don't have a problem with players being able to say I want to transfer and you can't really do anything about it. The question is what happens after that? And I think what you're saying is a lot of the problem is right now they can graduate, kind of take advantage of the scholarship they already had, and then go somewhere else Yeah, I mean, you're not on a team. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you have the scholarship and you're graduating with that scholarship. You're going to play for another team in the fall. You already know that. You've already announced what school you're going to. You should be at that school. And if they transferred before they graduated, they wouldn't be able to play in the season that would... Limit transfers more, but because they're staying and then they're transferring, they can play right away. No restrictions. It's say you're a Richard sophomore, you can play for two more seasons instead of sitting out one and playing your senior year.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, notable example Justin Fields. I don't think he is. He hasn't graduated, but he's gonna play next year. For well,
1: that day. that's a whole different. Issue. I know,
0: I know. But what I'm saying is, it's a similar, it's a similar loss for Georgia. I would say where he's, you know, traditionally he wouldn't be able to play initially at Ohio State, but they've kind of bent their wheels a little bit to where he can, so.
1: I think, yeah, I think because obviously Penn State had uh, this problem a lot in December where guys were just dropping, like, flies off their team. Yeah, there was,
0: like, <laughs> 15, 16, 17 guys, and we did get a couple back, um, but a lot of Penn State fans, you know, are saying, well, you know, if they don't want to be here, I don't want them on our team anyways kind of deal. Like, why should they drag everyone else down?
1: I'm, I mean, as far as recruiting goes, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, recruiting is diminished by this because y- you recruit a five-star athlete, and then after a season, he's like, I'm not going to play because there's not four other five stars in front of me, so why would I play? So he goes, transfers to a lesser team. It it, mag- it evens out play there, but when you see guys from those lesser teams transferring to other lesser teams. It just creates this culture of the social media culture, like driven. Yeah. And it just creates a lot of drama. really. Yeah, definitely. And that's something you really don't and want. And I think in there's a football. lot of people,
0: um, I've heard a lot of people complain about how, how much it is about the individual these days. Um, there's definitely some people that don't like that. Some people that think, like, the, I mean, there's a lot of, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of 17-year-old kids out there that people are legitimately arguing over, getting angry over where they're going to play. You know, there's so much drama and there's so much, they, they kind of get this element of fame and um, it, it's not always a good thing for young kids that are, you know, and of course, I'm saying this as a 17-year-old kid myself. So uh, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not like one of those uh, what I'm saying is I, I don't have the same perspective as a lot of the people that are saying this but I recognize it as an opinion that you know they don't want to give these kids more of a reason to feel like they're great, you know. They're a lot of them are already arrogant enough, why should you inflate that? I think the transfer portal certainly adds a new element to that. Um you know, you can argue over whether it's a good or a bad thing, but it's definitely happening.
1: Yeah. Um I yeah, I as a 17 year old kid um if i woke up and i'm actually 18 but as a 17 year old kid if i woke up and saw on twitter i had 200 notifications in the morning and then i committed somewhere and all of a sudden that dwindled down to like 10. um how would your ego go and that that's not a problem with the transfer portal that's just a problem with the football culture in general this recruiting culture um, that we just place too much emphasis on these kids decisions, but it is what it is sometimes. Um, and and when a kid that when that dwindles down from two hundred to ten, that kid can you wanna create some drama, create some excitement, yeah, wanna flip yeah. it over from one school to another. Um, Devin Ford, as an example, was a kid that did not want to see that. That's why he committed in June. Yeah. Um, and uh, some, some p- kids really like that. A kid like uh, I'm going to keep bringing up Virginia Tech examples. Cameron Kelly really wanted to commit on a certain date, and the night before he hit the big ceremony, Penn State started, well, what what are we doing here? Um, and Penn State really wanted him to play safety, and he didn't want to play safety, he wanted to play cornerback. And he had to commit that next day, so he chose Virginia Tech because they were the most ready option, I would say. And then he backtracked and said, wait a minute, I haven't even, like, Checked out Virginia Tech, and that and that commitment really was never very solid. And we see kids just not thinking their decisions through well enough in recruiting, uh, and that certainly impacts the transfer portal for sure. Yeah, I
0: think it. I think it definitely changes how kids are gonna go into this process initially, because you know that if you make a decision that was hasty, you know there's a way to fix it. You know that's certainly a good thing because a lot of times. You know, the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of players out there that just don't fit well with their team. You know, they're not, yeah, they don't fit the scheme. You know, they don't work well with the coaches. They don't work well in the locker room. And for them, that you know, they're often gifted athletes that just haven't been able to realize their full potential. And in that case, it's a good thing. Um,
1: but but the reason for leaving that that those should definitely be the, one of the reasons. The reason shouldn't be, hey, I'm not playing right now. Hey, I'm not. I'm just sitting on the bench, but I'm also a redshirt freshman, or I'm a freshman. So, like, yeah. I'm going to play when I'm a senior, but I'm not playing right now. And obviously, coaches... And this is this is an even bigger problem recruiting, is coaches promising, hey, you'll play your freshman year, hey, you'll play your sophomore yeah. year. And when they don't... Um, and that's how you get recruits in the first place. So, and if they don't, that just adds another layer of tension between the coach and the player and add for a reason to transfer. I just think the current rules of this transfer portal just offer so much drama and so much like um, so much reason for um, tension between the coach and the player and tension between other players. It, it's not good because it doesn't give you restrictions on what 18, 19, 20 year old players can actually do. Because they're going to take advantage of the system, which they have. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: they have. And I think, you know, I think it's good that they've implemented the transfer portal. It's just going to take a while to work out all the kinks. Because, like you said, it's been a long time since a new transfer system has been established. You know, we've we've gotten comfortable with the way it's been, and now it's something new. It's going to take a while for everyone to figure out how it's going to work, you know. I think it's a good... I like the system. That's what I'm going to say. I like the system, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement and I'm banking. The fact that I like the system is banking on the fact that there's going to be change in the future. But I think that the way it is, the ideas that are behind it are generally positive. It's just that the execution isn't always there. So personally, but
1: speaking of transfers, let's talk about Brandon Clark, um, transferring from his preferred walk on at Penn state, to slippery rock to play receiver alongside cohen russell who he said he would start immediately um that's as far cohen, as that's to say that cohen said that he would start yes immediately brandon clark obviously has to sit out of here yeah but when we look at Avi, uh, obvi- i think from the outset brandon clark should not have committed to penn state in the first place um i i don't remember what kind of offers he had or what his offers list looked like um i remember that there was a lot of talk about if he moved to tight end he might have gotten a scholarship there and because he didn't move to tight end that's what only limited him to a walk-on and that first of all if he wants to play receiver good good for him um Slippery Rock seems like a good fit with Cohen Russell there. So all the better to him. I don't think he was a very good fit with Penn State. Um he obviously did a good job recruiting for Penn State. Uh yeah. he was uh, <laughs> he was one of the few recruiters for Keaton Ellis in the short time that between his offer and his commitment. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just Honestly, I'm just excited for any of sta- any state high player when they get a, a real chance to play somewhere. And I think the kind of receivers, you know, you know, all of you Penn State fans out there know that, you know, if there was ever a year that Brandon Clark would have been able to crack the depth chart, it might have been this one because we had an absolutely unacceptable number of drops in our games. Um,
1: Juwan. Juwan Johnson
0: was an absolute monster. Last year in the Fiesta Bowl, and this year was completely different. I know what uh,
1: happened with Juan.
0: Brandon Polk, another example. And then you get these true freshmen coming up to play instead. And, you know, if there was ever a time where Brandon Clark could have gone out there and really made his name known, I think it would have been this year. However, weren't there talks of him being injured, though, this year? Who is that? Brandon Clark.
1: Um, He was injured, I think.
0: Yeah. So that's that's a bit of an unfortunate circumstance. And you wonder if he wasn't injured, would he have been able to play? Because like I said, I think this year would have been a fantastic opportunity for any wide receiver trying to, you know, make their name known at Penn State. Um, especially with his height, you know, he's certainly more of a big body receiver. He's that guy like Juwan Johnson that you can see on the outside making the big plays. But, you know, whether it's a combination of the injury or him just not fitting well with the coaches, he wasn't able to. And I think now that that opportunity might be starting to go away with some of the new recruits they're bringing in, you know, it's probably a good thing that he's looking at a couple other schools because you know he's starting to realize, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play, you know, I don't know if I really want to pay for college, all that stuff.
1: And I, we we were going to have Cohen Russell on the podcast today. We were trying to. Um, One thing able to at the last minute, unfortunately,
0: (laughs) due to. Family circumstances Yes
1: But But The one thing I wanted to ask him Was what was the timeline Between His Between Cohen's decision And Brandon Clark's decision Because Cohen visited And I believe he got An offer From Slippery Rock Like a few days Before that visit So And then He visited And then he committed On his visit And then Brandon Clark committed A few hours After that So I wanted to know What was Brandon what was the communication like between those two because Cohen was obviously very pro slippery rock even before the visit the visit sealed it for him but where was Brandon Clark along that timeline or were they just not talking at all and then they both committed to slippery rock without each other knowing it's just a plus for both of them so that was one thing I'd like to know what the timeline was because it's in it's intriguing at least
0: yeah definitely It it is very intriguing, and I think it's cool to, you know, hopefully they get to play together because I think, you know, Cohen is so good in the slot position. He's so fast, you know, and him, I think him and Brandon complement each other in their styles of play, and I think that would be a really good asset. Those are a couple of amazing assets that Slippery Rock will be able to use. You know, getting that inside-outside movement just can do a lot for an offense.
1: Yeah, um, And you mentioned Juwan Johnson before. Yeah. So I think I figured out why he had so many drops. So I interned with the Spikes over the summer, and he also interned with the Spikes over the summer. He was a marketing intern, and I was a communication intern, so we sat together during meetings and stuff. But I think I figured out why he had so many drops. Uh, Before, Juwan really couldn't, like participate in a lot of physical activities with the spikes obviously like he couldn't roll out the tarps or Mm -hmm. anything so he did some of the more mundane tasks for the marketing team um one of those mundane tasks was rolling out the red carpet for first pitches and i believe he injured his hand or something or maybe it just the carpet just wore down the muscles on his hand or something and then that's what led to all those drops because that carpet was pretty big (laughs) and that's that's why
0: see this is the kind of it on the spikes this is this is the a plus analysis that you come to expect from us
1: yeah i mean i it's not out of the realm of possibility right
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's pretty far out of the realm of possibility
1: (laughs) yeah okay so cohen and brandon clark heading to slippery rock good for them now we're actually going to talk about high school football are you excited Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: That's the right answer, right? <laughs> yes. All right.
1: So, because of Cohen Russell's absence, we had to switch our topics. And we're starting the way too early depth chart for next year, which is what seven months.
0: Well, six months. A lot of months.
1: yeah six months. So, I didn't. You don't realize how long a high school football season is. It's not very long. Well, it is. It is for us because we play five extra games. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> four extra games usually. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with a big topic, probably on everyone's mind, uh, at quarterback. And obvious, I think this competition really comes down to: is Brady Dorner going to play quarterback, or is Brady Dorner going to play wide receiver? And I think he's more a wide receiver right now, mostly because <laughs> we lost everybody at wide receiver. Uh, We lost Jaden Sider, Keaton Ellis, and Cohen Russell. So, that's all the starters.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, um, Chase Longenecker was gone at the beginning of the year. And so, we're we're looking kind of weak. But at this point, we're not talking about wide receiver. We're talking about quarterback. So, of course, Brady Dorner is kind of the obvious choice, I would say, possibly.
1: Obvious choice if he switches back to quarterback. Yeah. I wouldn't be. I I'd put the likelihood of that happening at like twenty percent, twenty. Although I will say, so
0: I think it's def, I think the likelihood of that is higher after the playoffs.
1: Yeah, after the because he had yeah. some. He against, had some
0: really nice moments in the playoffs.
1: Against McDowell, he came in near the end and really shined. He had a yeah, turned really, on really big long. Yeah run and we really got to see how fast he was he you, you don't he's really under fast you don't really um think looking at him he's that fast but man he turned on the jets um and then other options at quarterback i think this is conrad's job to lose right now uh jack ones is in there also jack ones play a little bit at the end of the Mifflin county game and the altoona games and i think he did admirably, I'd say. Conrad was the first choice in the early season, and then we saw Conrad even move to wide receiver. So yeah, it wouldn't be a total surprise if both Conrad and both Brady moved to wide receiver, and then Jack Wins was just the only one left and started at quarterback. But I think out of all three of them, Conrad has the most natural arm talent yeah. and arm accuracy. I think he's definitely grown a couple inches between the beginning of the season and now. So, he he's m- much more built now and I'd say he's more ready to become the starting quarterback now. Yeah. And obviously, he's going to be junior next year so it, it's, not, it's not like he won't be a, a leader of the team. Because I think he will be a leader of the team by then. Yeah. So, who's your pick? I'm going with Conrad yeah. right now. I just... But I think Jack Ones is close.
0: I've been I've been really um, admiring Conrad ever since I watched him play in ninth grade, and I think it's an obvious decision for me as well that he's gonna be the starter next year. Well, okay. <clears throat> I don't know, I think he has I think he might have the most potential right now. But, it, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I hope he becomes a starter. I think he's going to do very well if he does. Yeah. But I, we could also see a situation where you have all three of these guys playing significant time, you know?
1: If um, Jack Ones won the starting job in camp, I would say Ones deserves to be the starter because Ones would obviously have had to grown in, in leaps and bounds over Conrad, where Conrad is right now. So... Either way, I think the starter will be fine. Um, obviously, it really, the most of the offensive production I think next year is really going to be in the running game. And the running game could have been lethal next year, but unfortunately, due to the Ryan Domico injury last year, um, it's we're really going to be seeing a lot of Jason Green and Isaiah Edwards. And it really stinks because I think Ryan Domico might have had a lot of talent and a lot of skill. And we saw in in the um, early practice game they had last year in the film, he was the most dominant quarterback running back out of all the running backs. It was Ryan D'Amico. And him getting injured is really, really disappointing because...
0: But then again, if there's any... I mean, I don't think... At the same time, even though that's tough, he would have definitely been the underdog for the starting position. Yeah. Because right now... Isaiah Edwards and and Andre Green, like, let's put it this way. If, if those are your two starting running backs, you're in fantastic position, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're really looking at a, an amazing group, um, you know, Drayson Green, we've talked about a lot how fast he is, how good he is on the outside. Plus, you've got Isaiah Edwards, who's a bruiser up the middle. It's your classic one-two combo.
1: And Ryan Domico is kind of a blend between the two. Yeah. And I would lo- I would have loved to see Ryan Domico and Isaiah Edwards be sort of the true running backs and see Drayson Green pull all those uh, Lintel-esque plays that he likes to run with the jet sweeps and the, and yeah. <laughs> and the screens. And Drayson Green could have been... Only that guy, but we definitely saw Drayson Green mature last year after being kind of thrust into the running back position yeah. after Isaiah got whatever happened, <laughs> and and Cohen wasn't really playing running back, so Drayson Green was taking a lot of <laughs> a lot of straight halfback draws right into Central Dolphins' line, and for a smaller guy like he is, that <laughs> what really improved his game because it made him way tougher and more ready to be the total starter this year.
0: And at the same time, I think all of these guys that we talk about for quarterback, you know, most notably Brady Dorner, but I think Conrad and Jack also as well. These guys can run the ball. You know, I think if we've, we've seen the lethal combination of Tommy being able to run and Drayson and Isaiah, you know, but Brady is more of a running quarterback you know, if you put him in the game along with those running backs, it's going to be a lot for the defense to handle. Might I mean, want to just change to
1: the triple option because <laughs> it, it would be interesting for sure. Because I don't, <laughs> and we'll move on to this. But then
0: again, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be fun to watch. But it's
1: Brady, very... Brady, Drayson, and Isaiah. in The triple option would be <laughs> would be fun to watch for sure. It would. Just they they would just run over people.
0: At the same time, though, that's really not the way that state college plays these days. You know, it's all about those exotic plays, like you were saying, and spread offense, and you know, trying to get deep wide receivers going. And but who knows? You know, we could we could see a lot more of the running game this year, a lot more of a reliance on the running game than in years past. And I think this was a good transition year for that as well because. Two years ago, we had much more of a reliance on the deep field, the deep passing game. I mean, you saw Keaton Ellis and Brandon Clark were really the guys. You know, they yeah. were really the ones coming up with the plays. This year, you you had Keaton downfield, um, but and you had Brady Dorner doing yeah. a good job downfield.
1: But they didn't test it a lot. And yeah, coming up with the wide right receivers, I really don't think we'll have much of a deep threat, if any deep deep threat. Um, no, nobody over six feet tall. Uh, Unless you count Jackson Edwards, which I think his move to wide receiver is kind of inevitable at this point from tight end because tight end is really deep next year because you got Nate Polo coming in. Um, But Brady Dorner and Jackson Edwards together at wide receiver, I think, would be adequate. Beside them, the covers are kind of empty. Uh, we got some guys coming up into the junior level that don't have any experience at all, but... Look good on paper, and that's Carson Franks. Um, guys like guys like Ben Coons and Christian Morris. Guys that are going to be juniors next year, but just n- don't have any experience at all on the varsity level. Yeah, and they and all three of those guys could contribute. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Especially Carson Franks. Yeah. I think.
0: But I I, I kind of expect you to see more of a reliance on the running game this year yes for sure and I think that's a good thing because um if we want to keep moving on a little bit the offensive line is certainly looking stacked again and if we can lean on those guys up front with that running game and just have enough guys on the outside that can make those plays you know we're we're still in very good shape to to be uh
1: to make a deep run in the playoffs next year and Last last year we were or this season whatever uh, we were really stressing about the loss of James Pone and how his absence um, kind of hurt the offensive in line, the especially time. in the Harrisburg game. But really, his absence left for guys like Sam Storl and Kobe Asendorf to get a ton of experience. And by the end of the year, Kobe Asendorf was one of the strongest guys on that offensive line. Harrisburg game. Not even close to that, but yeah. at the end of the year, he was he he was nobody was getting past him. He was
0: definitely, I'd say, him and Drayson might be some of the most developed players in terms of how far they came last year. They both have made quite a big yeah. impact um, in a short amount of time, really. You know, you, you saw both of these guys get put into difficult positions after various losses due to various reasons, and come out pretty strong. So, good on them, man. I'm excited to see them play next year. Yeah. Of course, you've got um, Addison Darcy coming back. You've got Logan Lieb coming in, Jason Cameron. Jason Cameron, was he a junior last year? Jason Cameron? Yes, he was. Oh, man, I thought he was a senior. That's awesome. And, of course, the big man himself, Ramsey Kiffalo. So, you know, that that's not... <laughs> That's a great offensive line right there.
1: I mean, the only position you're really replacing is left tackle. And Sam Storl I think, could do an adequate job there. Uh, beside these starting five, though, there's a lot of inexperience below them. But we mm-hmm. saw that last year. And yeah. guys like Kobe Asendorf stepped up. Guys like Logan Lieb stepped up. Um, so I I don't doubt that the, the numbers are there for sure. It's just the yeah. experience behind them. Uh, there's not a ton. Um, Logan Lieb and Ramsey Giffelow, I think that'll be interesting to see which one starts a guard and which one starts a tackle. Yep. I think it's better for Ramsey's career if he starts a guard, and it's better for Lieb's career if he starts a guard. So <laughs> I, I think Ramsey will end up getting that guard spot, but if injuries start to happen, Ramsey could easily move to tackle.
0: I mean, Ramsey can honestly play anywhere fairly well on the line
1: i mean we saw him play at center yeah during this so yeah when cameron got hurt so yeah i i think the the offensive line won't have problems unless it starts to rack up injuries like last year because i'm not seeing a lot of those same depth players that we saw last year but you never know um on the defensive line <laughs> it there's less depth i would say than than um offensive line, but there's probably more skill. Uh, uh, Defensive tackle, we were raving about Addison Darcy early last year, and then all of a sudden we just didn't see him. Oh, wait, I forgot to add Addison Darcy to the line. (laughs) You can throw Addison Darcy in there, too. (laughs) Addison Darcy, a left tackle, that works, too. Um, Him and Sam Storl. So, yeah, offensive line, even more bolstered. But the defensive line, um, Addison Darcy, we only saw really play on the offensive side of the ball toward which, the end of last year, which was really... A little con- bit of a mystery. Yes. <laughs> um, and Especially in the Mifflin County game last year, the first game of the year, he was dominating their offensive line. And then we hit a point, either in the Harrisburg game or the game before that, where we only saw him on offense, and it was just a mystery. Obviously, he's one of the top punters in the state, uh, and he'll return a punter.
0: Oh, Hold on a sec. We need to talk about James Hook. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So, a couple of weeks ago, Nathan texts me. He's like, hey, did you hear this thing about James Hook? I was like, no. He's like, what is he, number 17?
1: He's up there. I think he's like number seven or something.
0: Okay. If you guys somehow, um, James Hook has sneaky become one of the... He's actually probably the highest nationally ranked position player on state college, yeah. is is Keaton, is Keaton? What's Keaton's national rank? I have Do you know?
1: no idea, but he's not on the team anymore. So,
0: <laughs> well, James Hook's a senior. Well, yeah. So, um... yeah, as or James Hook is up there as a punter. I think he's number seventeen. I'm trying to find I'll, the exact I'll number up. right I'll here. Pull it up. You just so, keep <laughs> yeah, and. So he, he was the backup last year. He was the backup to Addison Darcy. And in practice, we saw him absolutely destroy some balls. I mean, he's a
1: four and a half star punter, number 16 in the nation. Yeah. Number one in PA.
0: That is insane. That is absolutely insane. And of course, that brings up the other question why didn't he start last year? Uh, if because he's the number Addison one...
1: Darcy was so good. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so th- this is just an amazing position that State College is in right now. Well, I guess... um, Not in. Not in anymore. (laughs) They were last year. They were last year, and we didn't realize it. Where they had probably, quite possibly, two of the best punters in the state, both on the same team, and we didn't even realize it until late this year. And I guess, I was talking to James, I guess he did go to some kicking camps and stuff like that, and really improve his prospect, and now he's looking like a total beast. But I guess that doesn't completely surprise me, um... Just from watching them in practice, it was very impressive. In fact, I think I mentioned during the Delaware Valley game, a lot of the Delaware Valley's team was coming out while we were practicing punting. And a huge group of them just kind of stood and watched Darcy and James knock these punts in amazement. Um, And I I think we found out why, because their punter was absolutely horrific during that game. But... (laughs) um, it's certainly amazing to see um, any position that State College succeed in, succeeds in is always a good thing. Um, so,
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, punter is not going to be a problem. Uh, defensive line, however... That's, there's a lot less depth on the D-line. Yeah, Addison Darcy, if he actually plays on the D-line, which it looks like you'll have to, because beside him, only Sam Storrell is coming back, and Sam Storrell didn't really play until the like last three games the year. Well, you've got year. Nate Lusk. I mean, I mean okay, defensive, defensive tackle. tackle. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, defensive end, like last year, or unlike last year, you got more experience coming in there with Joe Nastasi. You really played a lot more at the end of the yeah, year he when did we play saw. A
0: decent bit. When um,
1: coolerbis got injured, that he really took on a, a near starter role there, and then Lusk is coming back, and he really dominated when he wasn't injured. Yeah, and Jacob or Hudge, wasn't
0: getting yeah. dirty hits by the uh, <laughs> by the Pine yes. offensive line, but.
1: And then Jacob Hodge and Jacob Hockenberry take up the back end of that. Um, they could they could rotate between tackle and end, either. But besides those guys, there's not a lot of depth behind them. Um, unlike last year. But <laughs> we really the depth kind of evaporated last year when Titus Thompson got injured and yeah, it, it, it got a little shaky there. Um, and I think it really showed in the Pine Richland game. But no, beside that, we'll move into the linebackers. The linebackers, there's not a lot of guys with experience, but there's a lot of guys that have a lot of potential. And this is what we said the first podcast of the year. We said, hey, look at all these sophomores. They could contribute, and now they're juniors, and they could also contribute.
0: Yeah, so you've got um, in middle linebacker, you've got Jim Maniac and Mack Heim are two notables, Uh Jimmy Maniac played very well last year. Yes. We saw him play quite a bit actually and he impressed. He's definitely undersized for a middle linebacker in the midpen, but you know, he makes up for it with speed and effort and you saw him contribute pretty pretty well to in the uh past defense game last year. So hopefully continue to fill that gap.
1: Jim Maniac and Kyle Domico are the returning really contributors, but I think guys behind them like Mackheim or Ryan Teresi or Stevie Gutoff are Stevie. really Yeah, Stevie gutoff Speaking uh, of running
0: backs, we didn't even talk about the most promising running back of all, Stevie Gutoff.
1: Didn't he get like one touch last year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he I think he is more of a at linebacker, to be honest, but him and Ryan Teresi he have a lot of potential. We just haven't seen them play at all. And uh that's been the story for linebacker. Or that is the story for linebacker for yeah. next year, unless we get a guy to move in that could really add some depth there.
0: And now we got to get into what's possibly one of the deepest? more... Deepest?
1: <laughs> it's not I the deepest, but it, I'd say it's the most talented part of the defense.
0: We've got the uh, defensive backs. And at cornerback, you've got your classic Dre Green. You've got Loki Howell, Trevor Beck, and Michael McShay rounding off. And I
1: think Trevor Beck plays more in, at safety with Sam Nipe there um, because there's more of a need there. Uh, safety, only Sam Nipe returns, and no one else. Yeah, and it, we only had two safeties really last well, year.
0: Well, in corner, <laughs> um, Dre played corner last year. Right? Yeah, and Dre and, played
1: safety occasionally yeah, too. But
0: I don't think... the re- Michael McShay didn't really play safety or corner last year Yeah, very much. Loki didn't play corner very much. Did Trevor... Trevor Trevor had some start. Trevor started the
1: first two or three games and then he got injured. No,
0: that's right. Yeah. So you've got you know, Dre and Trevor are probably going to be your leaders at corner, and of course Sam Nipe is going to be your top guy in the
1: defensive backfield. Um, For for the entire defense, really, it just comes down to who's injured and who's not. If if this defense stays healthy, you just never know what can happen. I think if this defense stays healthy, that we should be as productive as last year, hopefully. Uh, We'll see what the schedule is like. Hopefully we get St. Augustine at a home game. Are we Uh,
0: playing St. Augustine this year?
1: I don't know. I would think that we wouldn't go out there (laughs) if they weren't going to come here, so... Yeah. (laughs) I'd I'd say... I'd I'd expect them to play at State High. Mm -hmm. uh, First or second game of the year, but... uh, I'm gotta play Mifflin County yeah so definitely I'd say Mifflin County and St. Augustine would be too respectable out of conference games and then we go in conference so
0: well Mifflin County is in the mid-pen isn't they're it
1: they're in the mid-pen but they're 5A so oh that's I don't true play. yeah yeah wait aren't they 6A yeah they are 6A they're just in a different like mid-pen conference okay yeah they're in the lower mid-pen conference yeah that, ma- yeah, that makes sense now um. Also, prayers to Mifflin County. One of their coaches died. So. Oh really? Yes. I don't know. I don't know their coaches real well, so I didn't know if their he- was if it was their head coach, but it was one of their coordinators or head coach. So. Oh wow. Prayers for them. All, All right.
0: right. <laughs> Next up, we've got everyone's favorite segment.
1: Predictions, predictions. What are we predicting? The one segment that we have every podcast that we never prepare for. <laughs> All right. Um, Coming straight out of the head of okay, Nick Okay.
0: Who's going first? Me.
1: You can go first.
0: All right. Um. Let's see here. Hmm. My prediction is that we are going to see Jackson Edwards be the new producer downfield. He's going to yeah, be I the guy that. that you can.
1: He's going to be key. Now, I, I think. Well. He needs to work on jumping. He's not going to be. <laughs>
0: He's not going to be as productive as Keaton Ellis, um, I don't think, personally. But he's definitely going to be... I think he's going to be their main guy. I think he might be their best shot at a deep threat at wide receiver or tight end. And honestly, I don't know if it really matters that much if he's playing tight end, H-back, or wide receiver. You know, as long as we can get some kind of stretch downfield, some kind of matchup. I mean, obviously, his his advantage is height you know so if he can yeah. jump up there and catch the ball over some undersized safety or corner or linebacker or whatever i think that might be one of our best shots next year for the downfield passing game
1: between him and nate polo i'd say that uh that nate polo is more of your prototypical h back and then um jackson edwards is more of your pass catching type guy so if they were able yeah. and we don't really utilize the tight end very much so if we move Jackson Edwards to t- wide receiver, it would only be for our benefit, which is why I think he will move to wide receiver.
0: Is that your prediction?
1: Um, That's not my prediction. My prediction is that um, Isaiah Edwards and Trayson Green will combine for over 2,500 yards.
0: Wow. All right. And now we have to do our plugs if um, you
1: didn't hear, I just hit the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it it buzzes out sometimes. So hopefully you can still hear us. Yeah, you can. All right, Nathan, plug yourself. <laughs> well, we, wait, we need to do our wrap up in meat and no, potatoes. No, but we already did that. What? What? Uh,
0: we just did that with our guests.
1: Oh, okay. Hey, computer. Hey, m- bad microphone. What's your favorite meat and potatoes? Wow. That's a real good answer.
0: <laughs> Alright. In any case, um, you can follow me at nickhoss75, or you can email me nikos 75 or just yeah, at gmail.com or you can find Nathan.
1: NathanGrella at gmail.com Or? Or NathanGrella on Twitter. I just changed my profile picture. Now it's a picture of Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs. Great comic
0: it is um so yeah you can find us there um you can check out our stuff at western pa football i don't know if this will be posted there
1: western pa football review what is this amateur hour Come oh on, my man. gosh dude
0: this is taking <laughs> me back to like episode three okay western pa i'm
1: sorry billy i'm sorry <laughs> also check out the new um western pa football site keystone recruits yeah yeah and if you were on twitter you'd know that yeah <laughs> Get on Twitter. Everybody tweet at Nick Haas. Say, get back on Twitter. And he'll not be. He won't be notified because he deleted the app.
0: (laughs) Guilty as charged.
1: All right, so is this our last episode or is it not?
0: It could be. It could not be. You know what? It's not going to be. This isn't our last episode.
1: Listen, if Alan and Caleb get back to us. We'll, do, we a will, big, we'll do, do a big wrap-up yeah, we'll episode will do we'll do a, we'll a wrap-up episode. But, but Even you, if
0: they don't come back to us, we'll do a wrap-up episode. So this won't be the last time we you guys hear from us. That's a promise.
1: We should do a clip show. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Yes, yeah, so we'll do a best of episode 21. That'll be the big one. Um Why Please. <laughs> and on that rambling note, I'm Nick Hossalter. And
1: I'm Nathan Grilla.
0: Go Little Lions.
1: BAH! <laughs> BAH <laughs>